Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Folks, we are back with part two with Mr. Alexander Neary, CFP, partner at Six Point Financial Partners. In the last episode, Alex went over a timeline for folks that are 55 years old, up to 72 years old for now, and all the important milestones that happen during that time. So we're bringing Alex back on to talk today about some specific, we'll call them case studies or real client examples that we've had. Obviously, we deal with this all the time. We had some requests, I would say, to have Alex come on and talk about actual things that have happened because I think people like that. So Alex, how are you doing today? I'm great, Dave. How are you? Back for more. Thanks for coming back. I'm great. Sure. Um, jump right in. People just listen to your last podcast. If you have not listened to the last one, folks, go back and listen to the last podcast first. I think it will help us understand this a little more. But Alex, just jump into a client example that you've had yeah, that, that applies to this. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't think we anticipated this being a two-part series necessarily, but once we got <laughs> into it and I kept talking and talking, we ran out of time. So we thought we'd make a couple of case studies separate in the follow-up here. So I've got two case studies for us today, and I think they're two pretty common scenarios. So I do have real clients in mind that we've had these conversations with. Obviously, we'll keep names and all that confidential and change it up a little bit so they don't know we're talking about them. But so two scenarios. On one end of the spectrum, we have people that have done a great job saving for retirement. And I think something that happens is there's a certain you know level of savings if you've got three, four million dollars, whatever it is. You know, on paper, you feel like that's a lot of money, and compared to a lot of the people that you know personally in your own life, that's quite a bit of money you've done well, which is awesome. But a lot of people start to think that maybe they don't need financial planning. There's not value that's added by working with the right advisor. So I'll start with that example and a situation that I've seen a number of different times to paint the picture. Let's say it's a married couple. They're in the early 60s. They've got about $3 million in retirement assets. We find commonly with the way that 401ks were rolled out a number of years ago that a lot of times it is mostly pre-tax savings which means they are going to have to pay taxes on when they pull that money out. So a scenario that I run into a couple of times is this couple comes in and they retired maybe two or three years ago. So they're not freshly retired. They've already made the decision to retire. They probably didn't do as much homework as they needed to on it because they had $3 million and what could go wrong? How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take social security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? Are you paying too much in taxes? Why? If something were to happen to you today, what would they find? If you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items, along with many more, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us at www.sixpointsfp.com or email us at info at sixpointfp.com. Back to the show. So what we find is sometimes people retire and they've got a lot of money in the bank. So they have a large 401k and they've also got, we'll call it a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, which if anyone's listening and says that sounds unrealistic, I can assure you it's not, whether it's from the sale of a house, land, inheritance, just saving over a couple of decades, people do accumulate some money in the bank that way. And what we find is that people might live off that money in the bank. So the 
people I'm thinking of right now, basically for three years, they didn't touch the 401k. They didn't have the pension and they were still too young or haven't chosen to take social security yet. So when they file their tax return, they have basically zero income. There might be a little bit here or there in different scenarios if they're working part-time or if they did take a distribution for whatever reason. But we find that people, if they're a married couple, they might file a tax return and they had, we'll call it $50,000 of taxable income, which puts them in a very low tax bracket. So it's frustrating as an advisor when you find that they've been doing this for three or four years and you can't go back in time and fix this. But one thing that they could have done is a Roth conversion. And I know that if you've listened to our podcast, you've heard that mentioned a lot. It is important. And that's why we talk about it a lot. But they had an opportunity to convert money from their pre-tax account to a Roth account. And they could have done so at a very low tax bracket. So for example, if you take a look at the federal tax brackets for someone that's married, filing and joint, there's a 10% bracket, then there's a 12% bracket, and then it jumps to 22. So there's a pretty big jump from 12 to 22. The 12% bracket for a married couple ends at about 81,000 and change. Of course, it gets inflated every year. So if you're listening to this in the future, it might be a little bit higher. But if somebody had $50,000 of taxable income, they took the standard deduction for a married couple, which is about $25,000 of income. That means that they have $25,000 of income they're actually paying tax on. So that means they're paying 10% up to 20,000 and then 12% on the next, we'll call it 5,000 or so. So they're paying very little in income tax for that reason. So what they could have done is they could have done a Roth conversion up to the end of the 12% tax bracket. So up to 81,000. So really quick math. Dave, how's your math? What's that do? Are you paying attention? 81,000 minus 25,000. Yeah. What's the number? 56,000. Correct. Okay. So <laughs> So they could have converted $56,000, done so with the 12% bracket. What that does for them, because they have such a large pre-tax account, and it might not see, it might not seem significant to do a relatively small dollar amount, but they start to just by doing that, get money into a Roth situation so that down the road, when they do pull money out, they won't have to pay as much tax. Now, if they have $3 million of pre-tax money, you'd probably make an argument that they should convert even more of that. But for today's example, we'll just say they convert that amount. And they do so every year until they need to start taking distributions or until they need more money or their tax situation changes for whatever reason. Now, the reason we'd want to do that is let's say that I'm 60 years old, I retire and I've got $3 million. So I've done very well. It's reasonable that by the time I get to age 72, which is when I need to start taking distributions, that could be, what's a fair number, seven or $8 million. If we just look at historical rates of return in the market, no, yeah. that's not guaranteed. We don't know what's going to happen. But even if it's five, years, let's just yeah, say it's even, five. Even if it's five million. Because you're, you're more conservative million. at that point, right? As an investor, typically. So yes. three turns into five. Three turns into five. Yep. So now I fast forward till age 72, 12 years later, and I better start taking my RMDs. So RMDs are typically going to fall somewhere between three and 4%. So if we do the math on that, we've got 30,000 per million. So what's that? It's 150 to 200,000. Yep. 150 to $200,000 of RMDs that I'm forced to take. Yep. So now I'm required to take out $200,000 and pay tax on it. So not only am I pushing myself into a higher tax bracket, but we get into some other issues also. And I know we've done podcasts on this and we've also got something called the Irma table. And for a refresher, for anyone that doesn't remember that podcast, when you go on a Medicare, you are paying a premium for your part B and part D. So there's a table for this. You can look it up if you want to, but basically anybody in the current year that's married, filing joint, and they've got less than $182,000 of income each year, their Medicare premium is going to be $170 a month. And then it jumps up based on your income. So let's say that I've now got $250,000. 
that $170 premium is now $340. So it's doubled. And that is per person. So if you're a married couple, you're both on Medicare at this point, you can add quite a bit of extra premium onto your Medicare payment, which is essentially another tax. So one strategy, and I know we've talked about this a lot, is to use the Roth conversion to hopefully spread out your taxes and ultimately pay less throughout your lifetime, which should be your goal, even though it would mean paying a little bit more tax up front. Yeah, you're so th- this happens all the time. And one of the things you said earlier, Alex, was the 200,000 is unrealistic. And for the listeners, it's all relative, right? Like we have people out there that say, how can you only have 200,000 in the bank? <laughs> and then we have people that are saying, I just wish I had 10,000 in the bank. So yeah, that is certainly all relative. But if you're listening to this and you've got that scenario, which is very common, like Alex said, large pre-tax savings, it doesn't have to be 3 million. And by the way, it could be 6 million. It could be 900,000, whatever large number is to you. And you have money in the bank that you plan on living off of. This is just one simple strategy. And I know Alex, because I work with Alex all the time, there are 40 different things he could probably come up with right now just with that one scenario. And it turns into more and it turns into more. And I don't want to steal what Alex is going to talk about. But if you don't do the Roth conversions or you don't pay the taxes on it, eventually at some point, also, the people that inherit that money are going to get crushed in taxes. If you if your three million turns into five million and you're just taking out the bare minimum and then it goes to call it your kids or whoever you want your beneficiary to be, unless it's charity, they are going to get crushed in taxes. So this simple strategy over time in the right spot, working with the right advisor, like Alex said, can eliminate so many problems down the road. So I didn't know if you were going to add anything onto that, Alex, with that one case study, but this example we see all the time. All it the time. is. I think... One of the reasons we see this all, I don't know, all the time, but a lot of times the person that, to my original point, they've got $3 million, they feel like they're all set. Their concern with financial planning isn't really financial planning. They're thinking about asset management because they have assets. So they're looking at how can I grow this the best? So when they interview advisors, they kind of fall into a category of looking for somebody that's an asset manager and not to pick on anybody. If you're a great asset manager, that's an awesome thing to do. But they might not be really doing financial planning. They might not be a financial planner. They might just be focusing on the assets. So they're not really having the conversation with their clients about things like Roth conversions and more in-depth financial planning. So I think a lot of clients think they're all set in that way. And I don't mean that to be a plug. That's just the reality of the situation that you don't know what you don't know. And you got to ask yeah. questions. Oh, well, I'll give a plug. I'll give an easy plug. If you go meet with somebody, ladies and gentlemen, and they say that their returns are better than somebody else's, I, I would... Highly doubt it, first of all, because everyone in the world would have all of their money invested with that person or that firm. And also, there's so many other pieces of the puzzle in financial planning. Again, not for a plug, but the name of the firm is Six Point for all areas of financial planning. (laughs) What do we do for tax planning? What's your estate plan look like? What are your custom goals for this stuff? Who's getting your money? What's the communication plan from that firm? Do they have all of that? So I hear we hear that all the time. And Alex, I can say that all the time because people think that what we do all day long is manage money in many cases. And a lot of times that's just not true. It's other things. And that's also why we can't have 14,000 clients per advisor. If we were just picking stocks and managing money, that'd be kind of easy. But again, it, I wouldn't go based on performance or if somebody says we do, we have a specific stock portfolio and we're better at it than everybody else. I would highly question that person and what they're saying. And for the advisor listeners out there, some of you are nodding in agreement right now and others are maybe mad at me, but we all know that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have a second case study you wanted to go over to with us? 
I do have a second case study. Yeah, right. So let's keep moving here. So yeah, the second yeah. case study, <laughs> I guess, is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. So we started with people that have too much money. They don't need to spend it. What do they do? How can they be more tax efficient? And then on the other end of it, we have people that maybe haven't done as good a job of saving. And that doesn't mean they don't have money. It might just mean that their lifestyle is more expensive than the money they have. So we see this a lot too. It's people that haven't really taken financial planning serious until they decided that they want to retire in six months or they hate their job, it's time to go. Or unfortunately, they have something kind of negative happen in their life, whether it's a health thing or something with their family, and suddenly they need to retire sooner than they thought. So that conversation usually starts with, I have X amount of dollars. I want to retire in six months. Can I afford to retire? And unfortunately, sometimes we have to come back and say, you really can't afford to retire based on all the numbers we have. And we would be looking at that point based on their budget, their life expectancy, the cash inflows they have, a reasonable projection of how the market's going to perform. So we try to have as, as honest of a feedback as possible with that. And we want to make sure that we're the ones telling them, no, they can't retire. We don't always say, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because that's not really doing anyone you know, a service. So when that happens, there's a couple of things we can look at doing. One, there's a reality of we probably need to have a conversation about your lifestyle, which is uncomfortable for us as advisors because I never want to tell people what they can and can't do with their money. But if you're somebody that's always driving a new car, you've got a bigger house than you need, there might be an opportunity to downsize or do something different where you can cut out significant money. From my experience, a lot of times when you talk about a budget, everybody wants to say, we don't have to eat out anymore. And unless they're really eating out a lot, that's probably not going to move the needle much. Is that a real example? What's that? (laughs) I'm going to stop eating out and save thousands of dollars per month. Is that? I think when you look at somebody, from my experience, when you look at a budget with a client, they first, they want to cut out the things that they think are kind of voluntary. It's, I can get rid of Netflix. I can stop eating out as much. I spend a ton of money on food. I think if you talk to anybody, they feel like they spend a ton of money eating out. Not anybody, but a lot of people because they do like to go to restaurants and do things like that. And we all know, in today's world, restaurants are getting more and more expensive. But if you're going out every Friday night and spending $100 at a restaurant, sure, it adds up to $400 a month. And that's not nothing. But are you realistically going to go from 400 to zero? Probably not. If you cut that back a little bit, yeah, you save some money. But if you're thousands of dollars off from the money you need to live on, that's probably not the thing. And I didn't mean to get on a tangent there. No, it's good. It's, re- it's a real example. That's why I asked. It's, it's more of having an honest conversation of, are you willing to actually change your lifestyle enough to move the needle to the point where you can afford to live? Or are you just going to, for a couple of months, cut back on something and then get back to your old habits? And you know the doomsday scenario and what we're looking at in this is if you can't afford to retire, that might mean that you quit working at 65, you run out of money at 70, and now you either got to be dependent on somebody else, you have to go back to work, or you have to make a drastic lifestyle change that would hurt your quality of life more than we need to. So anyway, budget's one thing we can look at. Two is other income sources. So maybe you hate the job you're at now, but you'd be willing to work part-time somewhere else or in a different capacity somewhere else. Or even if you're not making the money that you're used to make, you might be able to get a little bit of income there that helps bridge the gap for a few years. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. So we got budget cuts. We've got, this, this is fun stuff to talk about. We've got cutting the budget somehow. 
and moving the needle in a meaningful way, which could be things. And this is another thing, folks, that you might not even be thinking of. And it could be simple things, refinancing or paying off a certain loan that's almost done, but you may not be tracking it and things like that. And in high interest rate credit cards or something like that, that we may be, may be able to eliminate. And then the second thing is part-time income for sure. When we run a scenario, and I didn't know if you're going to get into this, Alex, and again, not to steal what you were going to say, but when we run folks that are retired and they're not working at all for zero income, there is a significant difference in the success rate if they're doing something, even for a third or a half of what they were making before, or maybe it could be 10%. It depends on the person. But I have noticed as a general trend, if somebody's willing to do something in retirement, it helps tremendously. Also, a little tangent on this, it's keeping people busy. And I'm not going to get into retirement psychology and people's meaning after retirement and what they feel is meaningful. But part of the psychology of it is if you're working and you're, the, you're, you're at Home Depot, which would be an awesome retirement job, I would think, you're there, you're working, you've got something to do, it's keeping you busy. Basically, what that means for a lot of people is that means they're not out spending money. So having a part-time job is bringing some money in and not as much money going out. So sorry, Alex, go ahead. I know you said oh, you're good. So, so far we have make more and spend less, which I think there is you pretty go. obvious. And if you're listening <laughs> to this, you might be a little frustrated because I don't know how helpful that is, but it had to be said. Uh, <laughs> a couple other strategies that people might not be thinking about is we're all trained from an investment perspective throughout our careers. Even if we're not an expert, you probably know that you want to get more conservative as you get older or closer to retirement. So that is good advice. And I'm not, this is not specific advice to any one person, but if you are behind any retirement goals, there might be a reality that you do need to be more aggressive in your investments. It might seem like a little bit of a gamble, but if you really want to retire a lot sooner than you thought, getting a better rate of return might make sense. Now we're recording this on June 24th, 2020. So if you're listening to this 2022, now- 2022, Alex. What year is it? Oh, wow. <laughs> June 24th, 2022. <laughs> Big difference. I guess I missed two years. Anyway, so right now, if you're paying attention, the market's obviously not in what seems to be a great spot, but it's a little bit counterintuitive. So if you're looking to retire soon, maybe it is, again, it's kind of a gamble. This is not specific advice to any one person, my little disclosure there, but maybe having a good return on the market over the next six months or a year make a big difference to your retirement picture. And if it's a level of risk that you are personally comfortable with, it might be something worth looking at. Yeah. And then I do have kind of one more, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but one other strategy that we've used with a lot of people is let's say they, for whatever reason, have to retire at 62 or 65 or whatever it is. And their plan or what they thought they would do is go on social security, because that would mean that they don't have to spend as much of that small 401k that they've saved. Sometimes it makes sense to do the opposite, meaning spend down the 401k, you might spend it down completely. But by doing that, you're pushing off social security. Every year you push it off, you're getting that seven to 8% raise. So now when you go on social security, yeah, you'll be on more of a fixed income, but you'll have a bigger check coming in every month. And that might be enough to make it realistic for you to retire a little bit earlier. It's not a perfect idea or not a perfect scenario. I guess the perfect scenario is we have unlimited money. We don't have to worry about this, but <laughs> if you're a conservative investor, you don't want to take more risk in your portfolio. It might make sense to spend down the money you did save, push off social security, get a bigger check down the road. And that's also a bigger check for your spouse down the road, depending on your situation. So it can do a lot to improve your overall 
financial health as you move into retirement. I think what I got out of this, Alex, was the, the scenario number two there, the folks that want to retire next year. And again, this is another thing. I say we get to this all the time. When I say all the time, I'm talking at least on a weekly basis. I hear somebody, I just can't take it anymore. I'm done. I want to retire next year. I don't care. I'm retiring <laughs> or at yeah. least I'm leaving my position. And all the things that Alex said, if, if, if to rewind it a little bit is cut expenses, work more or work longer or work part-time. And the other thing, it's just not be more aggressive or delay social security. Those are all not good options. So when folks ask me, Hey Dave, I feel like I'm behind. What can I do? The best time to do it is now for sure, because obviously we don't want to waste any more time. But the reality is if what we want to do is help people start planning for this so that none of those bad options are even on the table, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, hopefully 30 or 40. For the younger listeners out there, if you're saving something, you're far, you're so far ahead. And I won't get into that right now, but the none of those are good options. I'd rather be the person with 3 million that has the Roth conversion options or 1 million or whatever it is based on your lifestyle. So it always goes back to the two things. I say this all the time. How much money do we need every month? And where is it going to come from? And in the second scenario, if you say, guys, I need $6,000 a month after tax dollars. I've got $100,000 in my account and I've got social security. What can I do? Well, those are the options that Alex was just talking about. And it's either work more, I don't know, win the lottery. Is that good financial advice, Alex? Do I need a disclosure for that? Yeah. I think win the lottery, <laughs> go to the casino. Sports betting is legal now. So that should... Yeah. Again, <laughs> none are good options, right? Unless obviously that's for fun. It's uh, planning in advance is absolutely key to not having this scenario happen. Now, if you find yourself in this spot, you should still seek out the help of somebody that knows what they're doing because they can put the pieces of the puzzle together to help you as much as possible and at least give you direct advice. Alex, you said this at the beginning. It's almost like a doctor delivering bad news. Like, folks, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for a long time. We're CFPs. I'm a retirement income certified professional. You should not retire right now. And sometimes people do not want to hear that. And it's bad news, but we'll show them, right? Like you have a 27% chance of being successful and being able to make those $6,000 a month payments. Our job as advisors is to say, hey, you have 27%. After you meet with us, hopefully we can get that thing to 90% somehow. But we want to put the pieces together to make that happen. So... All right. Sorry, Alex, to cut you off again. No, you're good. I think the only <laughs> thing I'd add to that is from an advisor perspective, a lot of times people come in and say, hey, I want to retire in six months. And for us, I think it's important to take a step back and understand why they're saying that. Are they saying that because they hate their job? Are they saying that because they have a health issue where they're not going to be able to work? Are they just saying that because their friends are retiring, they think it'd be a good idea? And depending on what the reason is, it might be, well, get a new job, or maybe they're open working part-time. Or if it's a health issue, then it's you really are backed into a corner and you got to figure out what the best way forward for you and your family is. Yeah. Truly is different. Every time we are certainly in one of those careers where it's different every single day. It's, it could be the same process, the same systems, but again, for the listeners, if you came in to meet with an advisor, I'll say all advisors that know what they're doing, whether you had $100,000 or 5 million, the process and the questions are basically the same thing. But it's maybe some different issues based on different cliffs and tax torpedoes and all of the stuff we're talking about. But it's still, what makes you say that? Why are you retiring? How can we help you? And then knowing the situations through experience, we can hopefully add a tremendous amount of value to anybody that we talk to. So Alex, anything else to add to those two? 
I think that's it. But okay. if you have questions or there's something I missed, yeah, I'm around. Reach out anytime. Yeah. So you can find <laughs> us, folks, at uh, sixpointfp.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, David Pulsini. Alex is also on LinkedIn. He said the same thing in the last podcast. We're pretty easy to find. One of our favorite guests said, if only everybody had a device in their pocket where they could Google your name. I don't know if there are many Alex Neary CFPs out there, but that's an easy one. So folks, that's it for now. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.